A solid routine fosters a well-worn groove for one's mental energies and helps stave off the tyranny of moods. Net, this is a morning episode of Made You Think. It is. It is part of our daily ritual on Fridays. It is. Although we change the time up yeah, like pretty often. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not very good at ritualizing it. And we also did it one on Tuesday this week. Although I liked the evening recording. It was nice. Might have to do more of that. It might be our new it. ritual. Yeah, and you guys need to tell us what you thought of our wine-filled episode. That's true. It was extra tangenty. Yeah. I, like <laughs> I thought it. so. It was also <laughs> long. It was very long. Unexpected. <laughs> it is the shortest thing we have done. Yeah. an episode on and it was one of our longest episodes i think it might is it the longest or the jordan peterson one or the elon musk it's one up there with more? peterson and musk i haven't we haven't gotten the edits good, back yet good group to be in. <laughs> it's a good group peterson and musk. <laughs> seriously uh, but yeah anyway the book we're discussing today is daily rituals how artists work by mason curry and it's kind of like just what the title says it's like looking at the daily rituals of a bunch of people not just artists actually i know he, that's in the subtitle but I mean, it was like some scientists were in there, uh, authors, obviously, are artists. So, but yeah, but like a variety a of types broad, of people. Broad interpretation of artists. Right. I would say anybody who does critical creative thinking work, work, creative work. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I found it to be really, really interesting. Uh, we were just talking actually right before we started recording that there's a surprising amount of drug use yeah. in this book, which we'll get into. But lots of drug use, um, lots of alcohol, lots yeah. of not sleeping. Yeah. It's weird, right? It's like on one hand, you would, like I was about to call that undisciplined. But on the other hand, like these people did have very regular schedules. Mm -hmm. So even though they were engaging in all this stuff, it was within a well-worn groove, essentially. Right. So there was discipline in their lives in the sense of like they're doing the same thing at the same time, essentially, every day. Yeah. And if you're going out drinking every night and getting up at 6 a.m. every day, you probably get used to it. Right. Right. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> it's not going to be like that great of sleep and you're going to be in a weird state. But I don't know, I mean, especially for creative work, being a little tired actually helps. Yeah. Or weirdly, sometimes uh, I don't know if that's, this ever happens to you and it totally depends on the intensity of what I'm about to say, but sometimes a hangover can make it easier to write. I don't know yeah. why. I was thinking that too. It's like your brain isn't as crazy when you do that. You can, it's like it's like more focused or something. Yeah, it's like too tired to go on tangents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There was one person in here who said he liked to write hungover. Yeah, Francis Bacon, I think. It was Francis Bacon? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here, here's the quote. He said, this is from Francis Bacon. He said, I often like working with a hangover because my mind is crackling with energy and I can think very clearly. I would not say crackling with energy for me when I have a hangover. That was not the terminology of pain, using. but yeah, <laughs> crackling with something, something. Yeah. Uh, crackling. But I think it's, I don't know. It's sometimes like less, it's like the opposite of being caffeinated in some ways. It's like, you're not going to go in all different directions. But yeah, anyway, I thought this was, I mean, it was a really interesting book. It's laid out in an interesting way too. Yeah. There's no attempt at narrative arc or anything. Right. It's very, just each chapter is a new person and then it's, one to three pages about that person's routine and then it's on to the next person yeah so it's very concise and you can also like skip around based on the people you're interested in whose routines you want to see whose you don't and each person brings like their own little thing to it which is kind of fun there's a lot of similarities but there's also a lot of fun differences right. too. Right? <laughs> yeah a lot of them have their own little unique thing yeah and i'd be curious too now if there was almost a I don't want to say remake, but like a part two of this book around like modern figures. Oh, like tech people? Or? Tech people, like politicians, authors today. Like I'd be curious like to compare Francis Bacon's routine with like Taleb's routine. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like that'd be interesting. Taleb keeps that. no routine. Doesn't That's even true. use a calendar. That's actually a good point. 
Although his routine seems to be like squinting pasta, <laughs> white wine. Yell at people on Twitter. Yell at people on Twitter. So, But this, this is where I have like a small gripe with books like this, okay. which is that these are extremely idealized, narrativized versions of 100%. these rituals. And I would not be surprised if they're only true, say, 20 to 50% of the time. Oh, yeah, right? definitely. Well, like, I don't know about you. When I describe my, like, daily routine, it's not quite, like, daily is probably an exaggeration. Yeah. Right? Like, there's definitely days that I don't follow it, depending on what I have going on, or, like, weekends. I'm not good at following the same routine as I do during the week. Right. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, but I would still, if somebody asked me what my daily routine is, I can still, like, answer for them but like it's not true that i do it every day right so it might give an idealized view of and i'm guessing that's very similar to what happened in this book it's kind of like the problem with a lot of the lifestyle guru type people the tim ferris types you know it's like you know that he's not doing all of that stuff every day right, right? it's like obviously that shifts and they have bad days so and... i'm shocked about jocko because he posts freaking watch Jocko is the exception Jocko is, <laughs> is ridiculous there that, are that there's like one or two day. days when he doesn't do it where it'll say like 7 30 yeah or something and he'll be like lost the battle will win the war or something like that although i always wonder if he's saying that about forgetting to post oh. i don't think it's about not waking up because he says he's like never really overslept it in the last 15 years no i think i remember there was one day he was like super sick or something well yeah and he slept until like 4 50 yeah okay right. something like that <laughs> and then yeah. he was like this is the latest i've slept in years like i don't know what happened yeah that's like, skin of the game though yeah his i was gonna like... say that is the epitome of like skin in the game with this stuff and his morning routine seems to be the same no matter where he's at at least according to his instagram and his twitter yeah we can't surf everywhere but right yeah the, the workout the workout in the morning wake yeah. up at 4 30 like it's interesting that he does that and also doesn't seem to matter what time zone he's in because he travels a lot lately and it doesn't seem like that changes it probably helps with time zones right because i notice that when i force myself to just immediately maintain a normal schedule in the new time zone yep. i adapt way faster yeah right that's a good point it forces you to it really just makes you also then you stop thinking about what time it is at home like you're not like oh it's really 6 30 right now instead of like i don't know like 1 p.m or something yeah yeah it's like if you can just especially for going east right just walk around and do stuff right until bedtime so that you have to stay awake the minute you go back to your hotel or apartment you'll just crash. game over yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not gonna not gonna adjust so i usually find too that like the state of mind you're in is like a weird like almost whether or not you drink anything it's like this weird especially if you caffeinate yourself yeah when you get there it's like you're almost drunk and caffeinated but you're not actually drunk wired and tired yeah but it's like a weird tiredness because it's not like oh i'm like about to fall asleep tiredness sometimes like whenever i go to the uk for example right i always try to take like the red eye and then stay up that whole first day that I'm there and then just crash as soon as I get back <laughs> to the apartment or hotel. And that's a great way to like get on the sleep cycle. But I find that like I have to definitely need a coffee in the afternoon. But by then it's already like morning in the US. So my internal clock is also like awake, but I'm also exhausted because I didn't really sleep. Yeah. So it's this weird like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of feels like you're hungover a little bit, even though you're not. Even though you're not like, it's not anything alcohol related. It's a strange tiredness. Yeah. It's kind of like if you skip most of a night of sleep, yeah. you'll get that too. If you yep. only sleep three hours or something. It's the same thing. Yeah. But what's weird is that I find I can be more productive when I'm that kind of tired <laughs> yeah. than when I'm like normal, you know, woke up a little too early tired. Yeah. I find it's way easier to do a solid day of work sleeping four and a half hours than sleeping like seven. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
it's a weird different mode that you get in the, the day after is much worse right. <laughs> but the first day the day of it's yeah not the day that of bad. it's not that bad it's actually a good point i've noticed that as well i also wonder how much of it is um like how how many days in a row could you do that and then mm -hmm. like i always wonder this about sleep i'm sure someone knows the answer is sleep like a bank kind of thing like you're withdrawing from the bank if you undersleep so like let's say you know you've been getting a bunch of good nights of sleep and then you need to go like a four and a half hour night of sleep right because you need to go somewhere or get something done yeah but if you've been sleeping really well up to that is that easier or does it not really matter i've heard that it's it's not like a bank it's like a debt okay right oh so you need to like pay it back basically. you have to pay you need it back. To, yeah you yeah need but to you can't up. really front load it got it all. Yeah. yeah you can't be like okay well i'm gonna sleep really well this really next tonight week. and then skip the next two yeah. nights yeah i don't think it works like that okay that makes sense i guess you could also like catch up so you would catch up by like you could take a nap or you could like yeah. sleep longer the next day or something exactly okay. do the uh buck mr fuller 30 minute naps every six hours <laughs> good to go is that like what is the like what the actual like somebody people actually do that Mm -hmm. uh, apparently Buckminster Fuller did it for two years I mean it was in the book too oh yeah you're right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. which is insane which is crazy think about it that's like two hours of sleep for 24 hours yeah well that's one of the polyphasic iterations that one's weird because a decent number of people have done the 20 and 6 polyphasic where you take 20 minute nap six times a day yeah a decent number of people have done that and pulled it off for like long periods but I wonder what that feels like like do they get that hangover feeling that we were talking about or like i've only ever done it for like a couple weeks How but i never fully adjusted to it it okay. was miserable <laughs> it was just terrible <laughs> but i and i guess the hard thing is like i've only heard online accounts of people adjusting uh, to yeah. it so i can't be 100 percent sure how accurate they are or if it's like narrative fallacy or there was like... one study done where they got a guy to do it for a few weeks but then one day he just crashed for whatever reason and they literally could not get him out of bed oh wow yeah there was just so much debt i guess sleep debt. total debt yeah but you remember steve pavlina the blogger yeah he's like one of the first like lifestyle bloggers yeah. he did it for almost a year okay and then he quit for the same reasons buckminster fuller apparently did which is that his wife started giving him so much shit for living at weird hours it's a good reason it's a good reason i mean if you have to take a 20 minute nap every four hours is a lot of things you can't do right because <laughs> the problem with that schedule is that it's so rigid right if you miss it by an hour you're done <laughs> like it's game over but yeah well i was going to say that the funny thing with fuller's schedule which is called dimaxion is there's like nobody else has been able to do it hmm. right so a lot of other people in these forums and stuff have tried and like nobody can pull off his version they can do the six and twenty do you think maybe it's some like genetic type of thing or that's probably part of it there's something like five or ten percent of the population that legitimately needs less sleep right everybody thinks they're in that five percent right. <laughs> well it's just like everyone's above average right yeah right everyone's <laughs> an above average driver <laughs> but yeah yeah you're right it's probably like there's probably some combination of genetics plus just just sheer will willpower yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then also again narrative fallacy right like maybe some days he took an extra three hour nap that's true right <laughs> yeah it's a lot of a lot of ways you could it's like you round up basically or like you you say like yeah on average this is like what happens but you never include the on average part that's right, just right it's just, just reality but it's not what story you ever say the story gets retold a few times yes. and suddenly it's not i usually just get 30 minute naps and then it's he only takes 30 right. minutes. yes <laughs> all right should we dive into some of these I suppose we should i do like this one quote though before we do that mm -hmm. which is Sooner or later, Pritchett writes, the great men turn out to be all alike. They never stop working. They never lose a minute. It is very depressing. I like that quote. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a quotation. 
quotation. Yeah. I think the grammar people listening will get angry at us. I always have to try to catch myself. Do we, do we have a gra- any grammar Nazis in the audience? I'm sure. There's <laughs> millions of people listening to this. At least one of them must be. I mean, there's probably real Nazis and grammar Nazis. <laughs> yeah, because you're part of the alt-right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we should probably actually give the actual story before. Give that yeah, instead of, instead of I just like leave that there. And then people are like, wait, what? We'll save it for the end of the episode. Okay. <laughs> or a future episode. You'll yeah. have to keep listening. <laughs> In fact, it might have been in an earlier episode. You better download all of them if you haven't yet. <laughs> Pretty soon tomorrow, there's like all these outrage, like all this outrage and all this outrage porn about like one of the hosts of Major Think is a alt-right member. <laughs> Probably the best way to grow the podcast, actually. Probably, yeah. Anti-fragile. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Should we just go through some of these or... Although there's a lot to go through. We yeah. go through all of them. Yeah, it's true. We don't have... A, this is probably the hardest book to do a coherent episode on <laughs> just because it's like there's a little highlight for each person well okay I, okay I think maybe there's a few things we can actually we could also do like i had pulled out a few big themes we could start there i was gonna say we could start jumping into the themes because auden who's our first person here gives us one of them which is that he was just popping benzedrine all the time <laughs> so and maybe we should give some context for what benzedrine is yeah it's like the original adderall yeah it was one of the first amphetamine drugs. And it was probably over the counter at that point. Yeah, probably. And I mean, he regarded them as, quote, labor-saving devices. A daily multivitamin. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be in the mental kitchen alongside alcohol, coffee, and tobacco. That's kind of like a good theme for the rest of the book, because that seems to... <laughs> it's definitely one of the most consistent themes in the book, yeah. is that all of these artists are just hopped up on either amphetamine or alcohol. And like maybe and coffee. And simultaneously coffee. Yeah. And like a lot of With coffee. With all of these. Yeah. <laughs> and tobacco. A lot and of And tobacco. Them. Yeah. Yeah. It, which is so interesting. It's like this is. So one of the criticisms you hear of philosophy writers is that they're so opaque. Okay. And a lot of people getting into philosophy try to write more opaquely so they can be, you know, like Kant and Foucault and all of these guys. Uh, and the criticism is that, well, they're not good at their art because they write like that they're good despite yeah. writing like that. Right. It's right. almost like not being a good writer, but still writing a good book. But their ideas are so good that they can get away with it. I think, I mean, there's definitely books we've covered or even that we've talked about, which are not like that well written, Yeah, but are very good books in spite of that. Right. Some books are like just good because they're well written, but the content you're like, okay, right. you know, it's not great. And then of course the best books are well written and, and have incredible content. Incredible content. But yeah. yeah, it's kind of like that, right? It's like their ideas were so powerful. That they could get past just kind of how terrible their writing was. Right. And so that's the question here is that were these people, you know, great producers because of these habits right. or despite them? Well, I've heard Ryan Holiday talk about some of this yeah. where uh, I forget, maybe it was in one of, the, of his books. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was on a podcast or something. But he mentioned, uh, I think somebody mentioned, maybe, yeah, because he had that one recently, right? Um, what's the most recent one? Ronnie L. Seller. Yeah. I think where he talks about like people who've created things that are yeah. that last Right. And I think one in one podcast interview that came up, somebody asked him about how a lot of great artists seem to like be on drugs and like, you know, kind of like this whole live fast, die young kind of thing. Right. I mean, his take on it was that it's in spite of. Right. Like it's like they're so they're such creative geniuses that like this isn't like why they're creative geniuses. It's not like taking drugs because his point was like there's thousands or millions of people that take drugs 
who are not creative geniuses. Yeah. Right. So it's more like, it's more like probably these people are just creative geniuses anyway. Right. And whether or not they took the drugs, they're still creative geniuses. It, it's not like the drugs would turn somebody who's not a creative genius into a creative genius, but does it enhance it? That's the question. That's what I was going to say. Is I don't think the argument is that it makes them right. more artistic, but. But I think like what some people take it the other way, it's like, oh, these like, all these artists are doing this type of stuff, right? So, like, therefore, if I do this type of stuff, right, then I'll be an artist. Yeah, I think that's the problem. that's the fallacy. But on the flip side, I can see it enhanced though. It definitely enhances. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this. Right? Oh, like, coffee is like coffee is great. Alcohol, alcohol is can be great. great. Right? Like, my writing is a lot more. I think fun after a couple of glasses of wine. Like, it has more personality. <laughs> right? Understandably, hopefully, our last, hopefully our last podcast was yeah. also like that. <laughs> Same. Yeah. And then also just for like getting started too, mm -hmm. right? Like obviously coffee is good for productivity. Um, microdosing LSD is like so amazing for that. I'm down to try at some point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was like, I, I think when I was doing that, that was like extremely productive writing, just like very consistently. It's like so, so easy. Really writing a lot, I think like writing a ton. A lot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although like that was also, I think right when you were in Argentina. No, no. no? Okay. That no, was, that was that I was published awesome. the article in Argentina. Got it. I wasn't okay. doing it in Argentina. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I was gonna, I was gonna say it might have also been you were writing so much because you had a lot of time, <laughs> but, <laughs> but maybe that's not the, the case. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, back to this point, right? It's like I can see how these things would actually be beneficial for all of them, right? But it seems like it also comes with the cost. <laughs> tobacco, I could definitely see. Like, I mean, I've mentioned this before. Like, this is why I'm so scared of tobacco. Is like I really like it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's really fun. That's my whole thing too. Yeah. Right? It's like nicotine's an amazing like, drug. I avoid it like crazy now, but I'm like, <laughs> but that's because I know how much I like it. I'm like way more scared of like becoming addicted to tobacco than alcohol. Like I could give up alcohol if you ask me to give up alcohol. Like I really like it. Obviously, like I work in the industry too. Like I enjoy it. But if I had to give it up, I don't think I would be like that pained by it. Right. I would be more pained by giving up coffee, I, I would say, or like caffeine completely. I like caffeine. And I also find it does make me work better for sure. I think part of the hard part is these drugs that you can still be a productive member of society yeah. while you're on. Right. Right. If you took a yeah, tobacco, you can easily be a productive easy, member of society. Yeah. Like yeah. you can smoke all day and write all day and you'll be great. But if you're Might drinking be all day, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like after drinking for an hour, right, exactly. you're not writing better anymore. <laughs> right. And I also don't associate alcohol with work. Yeah. Like alcohol is something that I almost associate with like ending work or like it's almost like a reward if relaxation. You, yeah, relaxation. Wind down. Yep. Yeah. Conversation, like social. Like I, I associate it with that side of my life as opposed to like my work side of my life. Whereas like working and drinking coffee to me are pretty much in the same bucket. Yeah. And I would imagine if I was a regular smoker, I would imagine it'd be kind of similar too. It's like I would be smoking while working. Exactly. Which is what's kind of scary about it. Yeah. And you can see how it would enhance some of that productivity oh, and stuff. Yeah. And then I assume it's the same with the Benzedrine. Yeah, which I've never taken like Ritalin or uh, Adderall or anything. I took it a couple of times okay. and it is terrifying. Adderall is? Or? Yeah, Adderall yeah. is. It's like legitimately terrifying because it is so good and so effective. Describe what so good is. Uh, it will put us in the head of, of these well, I just great mean, artists. It's, it's just effortless, like full speed ahead productivity on whatever you're working on. Oh, God. Where it's like you don't even think about doing what you should be doing. You just do it. You just like go. Can you communicate well? Oh yeah, during it? communicate okay. totally normally. It's like you drank a bunch of caffeine. You're talking. You're just like, you know, pumped up, high energy. I mean, it's meth, right? Like <laughs> that's what meth does too, right? Are you also focused? Yeah. At the same time, so it's not like the jittery caffeinated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. None energy. of the jittery caffeinated okay. energy. You were just like full boom, steam ahead. Full steam ahead. <laughs> like I'm gonna crush this. I think like I took it once and I just like busted out ten thousand words like nonstop <laughs> on an article or on Come Again or something. It just like didn't even 
pop my head up or like respond. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Right. And that's why I don't take it. Right. It's scary. <laughs> and it's also meth. Yeah. And so, it's meth. <laughs> that probably is not good. It'd be so easy to get hooked on that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I totally understand. I could also imagine too. Um, I don't know if this is true, but like I'm suspecting or I'm speculating. Yeah. But imagine if you took that regularly, let's say you busted out like a hundred thousand words in 10 days and you published that as like a book and it became an amazing book or something. You would probably in your mind associate Ritalin with your success. And then you would start thinking, if I don't take Ritalin, like me without Ritalin is like not a good writer. It's unsuccessful me. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's the old loser net. Right. Really couldn't bang out 10,000 words on stuff. Right, exactly. Right. So you'd probably like almost think you need this to, like you, there would definitely be some conflation of like success and the drug. Yeah, I'm sure. So yeah, it, then it'd be like really hard to stop. And I've heard that from a lot of people who have tried to stop taking Adderall and such because it's like 90 plus percent of the people taking it don't need it, right? It's just like, oh, you know, it's hard to focus. Like, oh, you have ADHD. Well, it's hard to focus for everybody. Yeah, it's hard to focus for everyone. <laughs> like, that's life, right? Yeah. And it's just like crazy overprescribed. And like, doctors get kickbacks. Of course. And yeah, like, yeah. the parents want their kids to have it because that's how they're going to get into Harvard and like all that bullshit industry, right? But then the kids who get hooked on it and then want to quit, it's like so hard because you don't know how to focus without it. Right. And so leave aside the like, that was the loser me now, like this is productive me. If you've been relying on something to like get stuff done and then to like, especially for years. Yeah. Especially in your formative years too. Yeah. So that means you have no memory of being good at this or focusing without the drug. Mm -hmm. So you never learn the skill to like shut things off. And My friend Matan said it took him like six months oh, wow. to get off of it entirely wow. while like still trying to be a productive member. And he still feels like he's just not at the same level. Right. And it's going to be hard if you're like a driven, yeah. productive, even like, you know, entrepreneurial or at your job, whatever person feeling like you are behind where you could be. We're feeling like there's a level that you just aren't hitting. Yeah. That you're just not reaching anymore. That would be anymore. so frustrating. That yeah. would be so frustrating. Yeah. So don't do drugs, kids. Imagine that's probably like if someone gets off steroids too, like they're on steroids and then. That's probably why it's hard to quit that not, as well. Yeah. Because yeah. probably they would always feel like there's something there. There's like a level above what they're hitting naturally. And it's probably also why things like LSD and mushrooms are so much less addictive right. and less dangerous in that sense. Because you don't want to be on LSD all right. the time. Like, right. That would be terrifying. Well, and I think the same thing with, uh, and this is not always true, but like for people who are like, uh, actually, this is definitely not true. I'm not going to say it. Wait, I was going to say it. Now. Oh, I, mean, I was just going to say for people who are like driven and trying to get stuff done and like focus on productivity. Yeah. I was going to say it's probably also not that easy to become a true alcoholic unless you're using it for a different purpose of like, you can't relax without it. Right. I mean, that's where I could see you people getting addicted, but it's not going to make you more productive. Like no one is conflating productivity with alcohol use. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we talked about this on one episode where it's like when people switched from like drinking beer all day. Right. To drinking, to drinking coffee. coffee. That was the renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> because I went from being like mildly drunk all day. <laughs> yeah. To being like, wait, this is way better. Well, that's what's good. Like there used to be a specific type of beer that was brewed to have like the lowest possible alcohol content. Yeah. Right. Because well, that was the safest thing runs. to drink. Well, there were three different runs they would always do. Because they So now, right, then you brew a batch of beer you extract all the sugars as much of the sugars as you can mm -hmm. and you make one beer out of it but they used to do at least three runs sometimes four using the same grain uh, so the first run would be like the strong batch basically so that'd be the expensive one right, right. what people would have with like dinner or something or like royalty or like you know rich people yeah then there'd be like a second run which was sort of like standard and then there'd be like a third run which was like called i think it was called just weak beer at least in the uk yeah 
It's called weak beer. Weak beer. And then that would be like the 2%. It would be almost like a kombucha kind of thing where it's like definitely, it's a little more than kombucha, but it's not going to, it's going to be hard to get you drunk, like really drunk off of that. Right. And apparently it didn't taste very good, but it was almost for hydration. Safe. Yeah. yeah. And that's what they drink for hydration. Yeah. Just wild. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, they would just use the same grain and obviously less sugar comes out each time you run water through it. Just like for tea, like if you re-steep the tea bag, there's going to be less tea that comes out. I wonder if that's why historically Asia was so much more productive than Europe up Mm, until kind of like Renaissance era, because they would drink tea all day. Right. It's the same thing, right? Like you're boiling the water, that's purifying it, making it safe. Actually, I played devil's advocate with Chaz once because he loves tea, he drinks tea all day. Yeah. And like specifically green tea, he's a big believer in like the benefits of tea, Mm -hmm. which I'm not saying there aren't benefits, but I always try to piss him off by saying it could be a just a relic of the fact that the people who boiled water to make tea didn't die so then everybody was like oh tea must have all these benefits but it could just be boiled water (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that's a good theory right Uh, it's probably not true i feel like there's been research done into tea but i'm like I just want to piss him off, so I always say that. <laughs> well, I could see that that's part of where the like Chinese grandmother drink tea to cure everything right. philosophy would come from, yeah. right? It's like because you would see that sick people were drinking like normal water, and people who were healthy were probably like drinking tea all day, yep. right? So it's like, oh, well, you clearly need to drink more tea. Right. Right? It'd be easy to make that association. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Well, and if you go to like a traditional, especially Chinese restaurant, and a lot of other Asian restaurants too, like they don't serve water, right? They just serve they tea. tea. Yep. And so that's probably a holdover from yeah, that. Even habit. in Japan, there were a couple restaurants, even like, uh, I don't know, did you ever go to like one of those like actual sushi bars in Tokyo? Yeah. Where they'll have a tap of green tea. Yes. That was really cool, right? It's like, water. there's no water. Yeah, Just the like green tea jar, right? Yeah. And that's like the standard, like you'd have to buy water yeah. if you wanted water. Same so thing in Europe where it's, but it's yeah, beer, right, right? right? It's right. like you go into a German restaurant and stuff, they don't put so water on the table. It's so hard to get water at a German restaurant. Yeah. Really hard to get water. Yeah. yeah. You just order beer. Yeah. Because right? that's the normal. And people look at, they think like Americans drink too much water. Like they think it's weird yeah. how much water we drink. But I don't know. I don't, I don't so like this water. is part of my theory of why America has been so much more productive than the rest <laughs> of the world is that we're well hydrated yeah i could see that yeah we're not drunk nobody else drinks enough water we're not drunk we're well hydrated we drink a lot of alcohol but not during the day not during the day (laughs) we're not going out for like a three or four beer lunch like in london although i mean new york you know like three martini lunches (laughs) right like there's a good history of that that's true maybe we're just more caffeinated than everybody no that's not true either they drink a lot of coffee in other parts of the world probably just free market yeah probably probably also just a whole bunch oh the other thing i've heard about for america this is also we're on a wild tangent now but the other thing i've heard is that everybody most people like 99.9 percent of people who are here Mm -hmm. their ancestors were the people who like sort of took the initiative to go somewhere yeah risk takers yeah which means there's probably some cultural slash maybe there's a genetic component to being a risk taker but Mm -hmm. there's definitely some like just somewhere in your line there were people who like did something that risky to like leave everything they know to go to this totally new place. Yeah. Which is really risky if you think about it. And I don't even think we appreciate the level of risk that that is today. Like you and I can move to another country, but like I could talk to everybody I know in America really, really easily. Just pop up on our laptop. Yeah. It's like we never left. Right? right. I was talking to my parents about when they first moved to the US and they said like at that time to call India was a $5 a minute call at a time when they like made very little money. And also $5 is worth a lot more than it yeah. is now. Yeah. Also $5 a minute for a call. I don't think I'd pay that now Mm-mm. ever. <laughs> so yeah, they were telling me, this is actually a pretty cool story, even though it's a tangent, but to let their family know they were okay, there was something you could do called a booked call. So you'd call the operator and tell the operator you want to speak with a specific person at the house mm-hmm. at a specific time. So what would happen is then you call in at that specific time 
and then the operator checks if that person is home. So they would ask like, is Nat available? And even if you're the one who picks up, yeah. if you just say no, it doesn't cost anything. Okay. So the $5 a minute doesn't kick in until the two people are connected. But now they know that you're okay because uh, you initiated the call. <laughs> right? So, yeah. It's just a good way of checking. It's it. a like good saying way. I'm alive. Yeah, I'm alive, basically. Yep. Yeah. So you didn't wow. have to like spend money on the call. <laughs> I guess the modern equivalent of that is sending someone a poke on Facebook. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah, although that's kind of died too. Pokes yeah, aren't really... That was, was that ever a thing? I don't know. I don't think so. It's a way to flirt back in the day. Well, so actually, the original functionality of it was that it would let a non-friend see your profile for a few days without being oh, really? your friend. Yeah. That's, I never knew that. That's really yeah. interesting. I don't know if anybody ever actually used it for that, but that was what it did. <laughs> it wasn't totally useless. Yeah. It wasn't just to flirt. It wasn't just to flirt. It wasn't just, hey, I want to poke hey. you. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> No. all right let's move beyond the tinder, first one tinder v1 <laughs> yeah poke left or poke right um okay yeah so that was one of the themes i guess let's That's go back dream. to that was like amphetamines for sure and sleeping pills sleeping pills is the other one. <laughs> so it's the other one in uh wh auden which is that he would take benzedrine every morning to wake himself up and then at night he would use second all or another sedative to get back to sleep and so that was just his daily routine, right? And I, I mean, I feel like this is not that uncommon still. Like, it's a lot of people doing the, like, Wall Street hours in particular yeah. who will wake up and do, like, anywhere from Red Bull to cocaine to get going in the morning. Or every, then, multiple things on that spectrum. Yeah, or, like, Red Bull coffee cocaine to get going. And then, like, anywhere from NyQuil to Ambien to go to sleep at night, like... Still a good number of people who do that, which have new names for the drugs. Right. Yeah. New brands, basically. <laughs> yeah, That's new all brands. The other thing that was really interesting is that a lot of these people were a little bit, okay, not a lot, but definitely a significant number of them were a little bit OCD. Seemed that way. Like uh, Beethoven. I love that example where how he, his cup of coffee oh, had yeah. to be 60 beans per cup. Yeah. 60 coffee beans had to be used for Exactly. It's like and he had to make it. And he had to make it. And that yeah. was like, that's very OCD very behavior. particular. Yeah. 60. It's got to, it can't be 61, can't be 59. It's got to be 60. Well, do you remember uh, Tesla? Oh, yeah. Tesla's was insane. Where is it? Here we go. So this is where he would get dinner every night. Oh, yeah. So upon arriving, he was shown to his regular table where 18 clean linen napkins would be stacked at his place. As he waited for his meal, he would polish the already gleaming silver and crystal with these squares of linen, gradually amassing a heap of discarded napkins on the table. And when his dishes arrived, served to him not by a waiter, but by the maitre d' himself... Tesla would mentally calculate their cubic contents before eating, a strange compulsion he had developed in his childhood and without which he could never enjoy his food. Weird as shit. It's weird. Yeah. Can you imagine if you saw somebody doing that in a restaurant? I'd be like, holy shit, we are all about to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else would be really weird? Is if that person was a celebrity. Oh, yeah. If you go right. to a restaurant and you're like, oh my God, there's Elon Musk. It's Elon Musk like uh, polishing yeah. this. Like... That actually wouldn't surprise me that no, much I if he did just, that. I just yeah. said that out loud and I was like, you know what? I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> or like, uh, who's a particularly kind of like weird celebrity like that? Tom Cruise or something? Like, Yeah, I can see Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> He's like talking to himself in the silver too, <laughs> right? <laughs> I wonder if some of this too is like um, they're trying to control like chaos a little bit. Yeah. It's like their brain just being like, Especially I could see like mathematical people, which mm -hmm. you could argue Beethoven is as well, because like music is mathematical in a lot of ways. Um, they're kind of like trying to keep everything precise and like not chaotic and keep it orderly. Like uh, Kant, I think, was another one. Yeah. Who had a very like extremely orderly really, schedule. Yeah, it was like the neighbors knew exactly three o'clock he's going to be walking out of the house with his cane. 
I think the quote was like uh, something about um, how like the clock tower in the town did like a less passionate was stayed on time less passionately than Khan <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> so yeah, it's like there's something about this like compulsive orderliness that I think for maybe certain types of minds is like helps them keep the chaos at bay almost. Well, we've talked about this before too, right? It's kind of like with work clean, right? If yeah, you just take a right. few minutes and put your place in order, it helps a lot. And I can see how the benefits of that could grow to an extreme over time, right? Yeah. Where you realize more and more that, okay, the more I can keep everything orderly, the more free I feel to create. And then you like slowly, you know, increment that more and more, right? right. Like you automate certain decisions. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I know I have a lot of weird habits like that. We all do. Yeah, I think we all do, right? But they definitely all just come from that same place. And so I suppose if you're, especially if you're like living alone, being an artist. Oh, I could definitely Doing that, that, like being in your own head for 30 years. I bet you'd get a lot of odd habits. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Plus combined with all the drugs. And all the drugs. (laughs) (laughs) You're not sleeping and you're drunk half the time. Um, Have you ever read uh, Isaacson's biography of Franklin? Yeah. So I haven't read it. I have it. Um, tell me if this is true, but I get the sense for Franklin from everything I have read about him, mm-hmm. including the section of him in this book, that he kind of like, he has his rep for being like very orderly and like the early to bed, early to rise. Kind of, you know, like that's like sort of the impression you get of him. Yeah. But I get the sense that he like is setting this stuff as like a North Star and was like continuously trying to strive to get there, but was never quite like perfect. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up in the Franklin section. Okay. Because he's he's famous for this whole like, oh, he wrote out these 13 virtues for himself and he spent a week working on each right. one trying like to get better. Definitely and better. bullshit. No, so supposedly he actually did it. Okay. But at the end of it, for some of them, he's just like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> right? Like, I think the biggest one, because like Franklin was a huge just like playboy. Right. Right. He just like slept around a yeah. lot. And so at the end of it, he was like, I just don't think I'm ever going to get chastity down. Yeah. <laughs> There's that and a few others where it's like, at least from the biography, I definitely got the sense. And he was just like, eh, I tried. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. Right? Like, I was going to say not for the Playboy thing, although yeah. that also could be true, but I don't know. Um, I was going to say in some ways, Ben Franklin's like the original Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah. Not from the, I didn't mean it from like the Playboy standpoint, but I meant more from like the almanac kind of thing. Well, that's probably true too. I get that sense. Of yeah, it definitely could be for <laughs> sure. But um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I'm also not, I'm not like saying he is because I just don't know. Ben Franklin, we know because like everybody's like, that's pretty well known back. Got the biographer. Yeah. yeah. But um, just with like the almanac and like all his like little virtue things reminds me in some ways of like, a very Tim Ferriss-y type thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, <laughs> give all of this extremely meticulous, like, live your life type advice, but right. then not end up following I a wonder lot of if it. he had, like, people like Tim Ferriss gets who, like, go way more overboard with it than even he does. Yeah. You know, and like, then give him online. shit for not following his yeah, stuff. exactly. Even I get that sometimes. Oh, really? Where it's like, all Oh, like, if you drink coffee. Because yeah, you have that yeah, one article, right? Like, yeah, like now when I drink coffee, every now and then somebody on Twitter will be like, oh, you're drinking coffee. I know I gave you shit once. I yeah, exactly. So they get that brunch where I was super hungover <laughs> yeah. and showed up like an hour late. <laughs> drinking coffee. That was like the first thing you said. Yeah, I was like, you're drinking coffee? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wonder if Tim gets that now with uh, keto diet versus slow carb, right? Yeah. It's like the problem with publishing a book with a specific diet. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can't change the diet you, you eat for the rest it. of your life. Yeah. <laughs> It's like now if like Taleb ever does anything without skin in the game, mm-hmm. he's gonna get immediately like buried yeah. by like everyone. <laughs> um but yeah, I wonder I bet Franklin had people like that. Probably be like, Well, I you slept in until eight AM. I also got the sense that he wasn't as 
famous at least from a lifestyle perspective yeah. in his day well yeah, right yeah, that's yeah. more of like a posthumous yeah thing that's true and there definitely weren't you know lifestyle blogs back in i feel bad sometimes for like lifestyle blog writers like even you sometimes what? where it's like anytime if you publish something you like now can't you could obviously not do that but like if people saw that who were of a certain personality type they would definitely give you shit yeah i don't know i just <laughs> I've given a fuck a long time. <laughs> yeah, I that's why I figured must happen because, like, otherwise you wouldn't write anything. Well, and right? also, otherwise, you would just be like, am I going to do this forever? Right. And then every time you'd write anything, you'd think about forever. And then obviously, you're not going to do anything forever, most probably. I mean, it's like very difficult to do something <laughs> forever. Yeah. No, and you can always go back and like update things. And I also course, find yeah. like there's also, I think you get respect for changing your opinions on stuff too. Yeah. When you get new facts. When you get new facts, new information. Or you're actually like, an idiot if you don't. Yeah. Right? right. If you're just like, well, I said this three years ago so and I'm sticking to it. But I now know it's wrong, but I wrote it three years ago. So that's what I have to continue to preach. Right. You don't <laughs> want to be a politician. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. One, um, are we good on that theme? Like, sure. I guess we're moving around we're, all, all over the place here. We are making it up as we go. So one other thing that popped out to me is how few hours people worked. Like yeah. from an hour standpoint. That was like really common. Yeah. It's not like they're, maybe some days they slaved 12 hours a day, but it really seemed like the bulk of the creative work was like five, six hours at most a day. I know Darwin was famous too for that, where he'd have two kind of three hour work blocks. Right. One morning, one afternoon, but... Yeah, it's surprising, like, relative to the level of their accomplishments, how little they worked. But it's hard to do creative work for longer than that. I think that's part of it. It is hard to do creative work for long. I honestly think part of it, too, is European culture. Because mm. a lot of these people are, you know, like, European intellectuals. Yeah, and if you're living in France, Spain, even England and stuff, you're still going to have that hour lunch yeah. period. Yep. And so the... And then, like, the tea or, like, the afternoon the tea, drink afternoon drinks. Like, you're going to yeah. have the aperitif at, like, 5 p.m. where you go and sit in the cafes and hang out. Yep. So it could all just be a that, function that, of that the culture. That space could be really good for creative work, though. I think it is. I think, I've noticed that, too. If I ever, like, travel, like, pleasure travel and just, like, am not bogged down by, like, a daily... Like it is like a daily routine, but not like a daily like eight hours of work, right? right. It's like when you have the space to like, okay, I'm gonna go hit, sit down in this cafe for like a couple hours, or I'm gonna like go sit in this pub for a couple hours and just like relax. And also, when you're international, I don't know about you, I almost never get the international phone plan, so I'm actually like where I am, I'm mentally there too. I love not having mobile data. Yeah, it's so nice. It's so nice. But I sometimes find that like my writing gets better or easier. It's like it's easier to pull the thoughts out mm -hmm. that time because there's less like noise all the time. Part of it too is probably the time constraint. Yeah. Where you know you've only got two hours in this cafe yeah. and you're gonna just bang it out. Yeah, that's a good point too. But then also I think there is that element of the creativity and just the more social lifestyle. Right. That's the one thing I don't like about New York mm. is how hard it is to have kind of spontaneous social stuff. Right. You gotta like schedule. It's gotta be. You like, really have to schedule it. Yeah. It's like I mean, me, you, and two other people are trying to have a dinner i know and it's we're like, like we have a poll going yeah we have a poll going right <laughs> to try to find a time for it i think and we found one now if thursday works for you yeah i think we do thursday. <laughs> they don't know what week this is so yeah exactly we're not gonna have people show <laughs> up but like that's, that's kind of crazy right where it's like we, we need to plan a dinner at least a week in advance just for four people i mean i'm having a phone call with a friend right and we scheduled it yesterday for next tuesday oh wow right where it's like it's just difficult Right. We don't yeah. have that same. I, I think part of it is the work culture that we live in now where it's like you're always doing some kind of work. Right. Whereas I like the idea of the schedule that came up a few times in here, which is that you like three hours in the morning and three hours in the afternoon. Right. 
that balance, I think, seems really good. I think if I ever did, uh, which I hope to do someday, like full time writing and full time, like maybe if we were doing like podcast and writing or something, yeah, like that would be really cool. I think, and if if I had a lifestyle like that, I think I would adopt this kind of schedule mm-hmm. more because I think it it would be hard to because I, I do have like workaholic tendencies, but I do think it would be good for creativity for sure. And like mental energy too, I'm pretty sure. But it's hard to have this kind of work schedule if you have like a job, like your type of job where you're managing people or like my type of job where you're managing people and you have phone calls and like, you know, you're selling, like it's really hard to have like, okay, I'm only going to work six hours (laughs) today. Like, and do that in a regimented fashion. Although I have found some ways to do do it for sure. Like setting the regular stand-up is good. Regular stand-up, only booking meetings at certain times yes, makes a big difference. I started doing that when you, uh, I think Taylor's article maybe was really helpful for me to just get a handle on what I'm spending my time on. Yeah. Color coding the calendar mm-hmm. and then blocking certain days as meeting days. Yep. So, because I do the same thing where it's like, I'll only have meetings Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 1 to 5 p.m. Yep. It's like, I will not have one outside. There's of that also that Paul Graham article, right? Make your time. Make your time, manage your time. Manage your yeah. time. Yeah. And, and we do that for a growth machine where it's like, you're not expected to respond to anything before 1 p.m. EST. Yeah. Smart. And that's great. It's yeah. like, everyone can just go ahead. Crank down. out work. Yep. And also, it's like, if you are done, right? If you already like got ahead on yourself yesterday, it's yeah. like, you can go chill. Like, yeah. go read a book. Like, right. you don't have to work all the time. Go listen to Made You Think. Yeah, go listen like, to Made You Think. Go read Skin in the Game. Right? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like, you don't need to be sitting at your desk doing nothing. I'm glad that we're moving away from that idea, like more towards just the results oriented work environment, because I see this with, because that's work where it's like a lot of these clients, they just expect you to be in the office. And so they'll have a whole week where you've got like an entire team of consultants sitting in the office, like doing nothing (laughs) just because the client needs the optics. Right. And it's like such a waste of time. I think it is a relic of assembly line era mm-hmm. where like time was a really good proxy time for productivity yeah well it was just like if you were on the assembly line like you are going to be working like if you're if you're there for 30 minutes you will get 30 minutes of work done mm-hmm. like because what are you going to do like not put the piece on top of where it needs to go you know like right. it's like right. very much a good proxy for so it was like okay in, in an average hour you're going to get 10 pieces done or whatever i'm just making it up but that was like a pretty accurate number no matter who you were because it's an assembly line like it's not like my productivity would be like a thousand pieces per hour and yours would be 10. Like it might be like 10 and 11. So like approximately the same. Whereas with creative work, it's very different. Like my hour could be very different than your hour or your hour could be very different than the next person's hour. And it also depends on the task. And like time is not a good proxy for productivity for creative work or any type of I think office work. Yeah. Especially really. when you can like take a bunch of Benzedrine and just like yeah. pump out articles. <laughs> or to like the other end of the spectrum, and there's tons of people who work and literally get nothing done all day. And they spent eight hours in the office. And you're like, really at the end of the day, like you don't need like if I was the employer, I'd just be like, as long as you're getting your particular job done, I don't mm-hmm. need you here. I think part of it too is a function of ability to assess output where like sometimes it's really easy and sometimes it's hard. I think in smaller organizations, it's easy because you don't have a ton of redundancy like we were talking about exactly. before, right? It's like if someone doesn't do their job, you very quickly know. Yeah. <laughs> like It's like very obvious that like, okay, did somebody not get the article done that was due today? Okay, that's very obvious. Like there's right. no hiding that. Right, right. Whereas in a big company, there's like large teams and you can always call a meeting if you want to like pretend like you're doing when you're, when you're being productive. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then take like, Oh man, this is bringing back like nightmares from corporate <laughs> days. But it'd be like Perfect. to schedule like a twenty-person meeting, right? Yeah, like 
the, the like calendar Tetris that's required <laughs> to make that happen is like absurd. Like sometimes it would take like a month to get like a meeting schedule for something that like, and but of course you can't do anything until that meeting because oh, it's, yeah. that's what the meeting is like to unblock a few things, which never get unblocked. Usually at the meeting, you get unblocked means. by an email after the meeting. <laughs> you talk for 55 minutes and then somebody like show proposes something right at the end. Yep. And then everyone's like, yeah, that sounds good. It's also funny how like the meetings will always stretch to the length of the time allotted for them mm -hmm. or condense to the time allotted to them. I always respect somebody who like, you know, gets to the end of the agenda. And it's like, all right, cool. We're done. Yep. Even if we're only like five minutes into yep. a 30 minute meeting. Exactly. It's great. It's like, I like it. It's you. awesome. Yeah. I also, the other hack you can do is like, if you know the person you're going to talk to, like mm -hmm. a lot of times like sales things, it's a corporate, you know, it's a company, right? So what I'll do to, cause I know that that's, what's going to happen is if they think it's a 30 minute call, I'll schedule it for 20 minutes in the calendar mm. and send them the invite. Yeah. So it forces everyone to condense it Smart. instead of like stretching. Cause you can get it done in 20 minutes. But if there were 30 minutes, it would stretch to 30 minutes. Yeah. The same thing with like hour meetings. I try to do 40 minutes. So I'll like book 40 minutes. And then I also find that that has like a bonus benefit, which it gives you time to prep for the next one if you have a back-to-back. -back. Right. So I pretty I, much yeah. never do hour meetings anymore. There's almost There's nothing not that requires that an hour. hour. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're efficient, you've got an agenda. That's so. why. I, I mean, I think a lot of it's like people want to kill time yeah. in an office, right? It's like they might not explicitly think about it that way. But when you have a meeting on the calendar, you're quote productive and it's social it's like something to do yeah right like a lot of people who are working especially if they're in their mid 30s or later right yep. they're just going home and taking care of their kids after right like they want to hang out with some other adults for a bit yeah <laughs> so you don't just want to sit in your cubicle and tap away you want to like do something social even if it's pretending to talk about work <laughs> pretending <laughs> <laughs> whereas if you just work six hours a day and then spent a couple hours hanging out at cafes eating long cool. lunches that would be much better I think we're going to get like more and more in that direction though. Yeah. Cause like that's one other good thing about data. I think some of us, some will. Of us yeah. Those who are working on something where they can control their time, I think are moving yeah. in that direction. I was going to say though, with like all the on demand economy stuff mm -hmm. and all the like 1099 economy results are a lot easier. Like I don't want to say a lot easier, but there's a more of a focus on the productivity side of it. Yeah. So as like that data becomes more and more visible, I think it'll be easier to compensate people based on productivity as opposed to based on time. I also hate if like for consulting projects when people ask you to bill on time. Yeah. I hate that because I'm like, okay, that means if it's in my incentive to take as long as possible on this task. Exactly. Whereas you're just trying to get the task done. So like from your perspective, it shouldn't matter if it takes me one hour or 10 hours. It's like the task is worth something to you. Right. But I shouldn't get paid more if it takes me longer. Like that doesn't yes. make, it's like the opposite of the incentives that you'd want. So many times I'll like talk people out of it. Like they're like, oh, like what's your hourly rate? And I'm just like, you know what? Like that's probably not the way to do this. And I'll like say those exact reasons. I'll say like, well, that encourages me to take as long as humanly possible. Right. But sometimes people still, even after I give them that whole spiel, they'll still be like, well, we're just more comfortable with hourly. Well, what I've found with that too is a lot of times people who are asking for that, they have somebody higher up who oh, needs yeah. them to justify spending money on you. And one oh, easy way for yes, them to do it. He worked for 10 hours. He worked for 10 project. hours on this project, right? Because it's like the only metric they have for evaluating success, which is absurd. I was talking to somebody else who does some consulting projects with companies that like very often just have a policy, like the consultants have to be hourly, like you can't do project based. And he was just like, just like figure out what you think the task is worth to them and just 
say it's 10 hours. Like if you think it's worth a thousand dollars, like their budget for it is a thousand dollars, be like, okay, my rate's an hour, a hundred hours, it's going to take 10 hours, but it might not take you 10 hours. Also, I don't want to be like tracking my time, like with like a stopwatch. Yeah, it's stupid. Like, yeah. Well, I've got a guy on Upwork who does that and I actually really appreciate it where he like helps us with Reddit promotion. Oh, you told me about this guy. Yeah. yeah. It takes him like two minutes to do. Right. But Upwork for ongoing contracts is hourly. Hmm. And so he was basically like, look, you know, to be honest, this only takes me a few minutes, right. but I've spent a lot of time building this reputation. So can I log my own time right. so that I bill you around like $30, $50 per post? Right. Which I'm I like, think yeah, is totally fair. Like, yeah. That makes perfect sense. And right. it's so silly that you have to like make up hours yeah. in order to like build a proper amount. Right? That's like literally what I mean, right? It's like... Yeah. But I think the problem is, right, and like historically, it was really hard to tie productivity to a dollar amount. So it was just like time was the proxy. Yeah, basically. It was like, yeah, it was like, okay, well, this should take an average person 10 hours, but it might take you two hours. It might take another guy 20 hours. Right. Right. But like you just want the task done. So but now I think as like, yeah, you know, it is becoming easier, I think, to track output to like people's individual efforts. It's not always gonna be possible, especially when you're on a team. You know, who's to say like this person contributed X percent and this person contributed Y percent. Yeah. But yeah, I think hopefully we're moving in the direction where it's not like a regimented eight hour day. I think education's interesting too, like that. I feel like education is very much linked to this. How's like that? the idea of being in school for a certain number of hours and like... Well, that was based on the factory model. Exactly, right. So I'm yeah. saying like they, they were born in the same place. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully, you know, I think as work changes, maybe education maybe would change education a little bit well. too. Yeah. Because a lot of like free play, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I find many of the ideas I end up actually working on that are interesting and go somewhere come as a result of like free time. Yeah. Or a quote free time. Like goofing off, doing something fun. Reading something random. Yeah. Or like going to a bar with somebody. a friend yeah. or... That's why these podcasts are so fun. Yeah. It's so, like, I find we usually like, get ideas or right. something interesting comes out of it. Yeah. Right. Hopefully interesting. Hopefully At least to us. Yeah. At least interesting to us. Something that makes us think. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I think we did that like there. every early episode because we were so, we thought we were so clever. Yeah. Very clever. Then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think let's get back to, uh, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. The Henry Miller one. You haven't read, uh, Tropic of Cancer, right? I have not. Okay. That is a wild book. Henry Miller is a very interesting person. <laughs> That's why it was cool to just see his. But like Tropic of Cancer is like somewhat autobiographical. And he was like basically living as like a homeless person when he wrote that in Paris. Yeah. Um, oh, it's this guy. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's, just, it's just a really interesting book. Like it's not really like a, there's no plot, which is why some people hate it. Because they keep waiting for like a plot to happen. A plot to happen. But he's basically just like talking about his life as like a semi-homeless person in Paris. Nice. And like his sex life. And it's just like his drug life. Like all this just like crazy shit. So I could totally see him only working for two or three hours. Oh, he also never edited that book. That was like his big thing was like oh. he wasn't going to. So he has like sentences that just end because he just like <laughs> didn't. And so basically his at the beginning, he writes his philosophy for that book, which is like he tried to be a writer for like 10 years before that in New York. Yeah. And just gave up. And was like, I'm sick of the whole system. I'm sick of like writing how other people want me to write. He's like, I'm just going to write and not edit. And this is going to be the raw thing. And there are like spelling things that were corrected. Mm-hmm. But like there's no like editing of like making it flow properly. Right. <laughs> so right. he'll just like flow sometimes from like what he's doing to like, oh, this really beautiful girl like across the street. Walk, like, walk by. It's just like his stream of consciousness almost. Damn. So some people hate that book and some people love it. And I oscillated between that while I was reading it. But in hindsight, it's a really good book. But I can see him like doing this thing where he doesn't really like quote work all the time. But he has some like, I'm just going to write during these two hours so I can spend the rest of my time like fucking around (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, that's the thing is that even though they all seem to work not that many hours, they were all pretty diligent about like working. Yeah. And this was one of the things that came up really frequently, right? Like Faulkner has this line that he says, I write when the spirit moves me and the spirit moves me every day. Right. I've heard a similar version of it, which is that I write whenever inspiration strikes and inspiration strikes every morning at 7 a.m. when right. I sit down at the typewriter. Right. What's that book? Um, The War of Art. The War of Art. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By Stephen Pressfield. Yeah. Where he talks about it's 9 a.m. Right. It's I think 9 a.m. You're like, yeah, exactly. You sit down, and you write. And that seems to be a really similar theme where it's like nobody's really forcing themselves to do the work. I mean, kind of an exception to that. There's this bit from Anne Beatty, Betty. Where she says that the times that I've tried that when I've been in a slump and I try to get out of it by saying, come on, Anne, sit down at that typewriter. I've gotten in a worse slump. Mm. It's better if I just let it ride. That seemed less common. Right. right? It seemed like a lot of people just sort of forced themselves through it. Yeah, I definitely was somewhat surprised by that, actually, because a lot of people also think like the romantic vision of like an artist is like, oh, I do an inspiration strikes. Exactly. But like that is, a, I mean, at least in my experience, it's a terrible way of getting things done. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, I've tried doing that. It doesn't work. You end up like never doing anything. Topics are different. Yes. Like what you write about is different than the act of writing. Yeah, you have to write about something. But if you're super stuck on a topic, I find it's really helpful to either write a different section of it or write something else, at least for a little bit before you go back. And then it almost unlocks your brain a little bit. Some weird, makes it unstuck. Did you read that Jordan Peterson guide to article writing? No. Yeah, it got republished on Medium. I'll send it to you. It's okay. very good. But one of the things he and says in the show there, notes, right? At madeyouthinkpodcast.com. It will. Madeyouthinkpodcast.com. Uh, one of the things he says in there is that if you're like, there's no such thing as writer's block. And if you feel like you're stuck, that means you've like run out of things to say. Mm. And so you need to like stimulate your mind in some other way, either by writing about something else or by reading or like going for a walk. It's not really the writing that's blocking you. It's the you that's blocking you. Right. And you have to find a way to like. <laughs> that's a good way to think about it. Figure out what else you need to say on the topic. Yeah. Which is like a very helpful way of framing it. Yeah. That's a really good way of thinking about that. I like it. It also like gives you some concrete things to do to get out of writer's block, which is, you know, useful. Yeah. Very useful. I was going to say Murakami. Yeah. His schedule seems very Jocko-esque. Yeah. Wakes up at 4 a.m. He's crazier than Jocko. Jocko's 4.30. (laughs) Seriously. Waking up at 4 and then working for like six hours straight. And then you start your day. But like you're starting your day at 10 a.m. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. You get your whole like workday done before some people are even awake. People are like just getting into the office. Yep. The thing that I've always struggled with, because I love waking up early. Like I feel great when I'm in a good schedule of waking up early. Yep. And then it gets screwed up by the weekends. I know. I have heard somebody say this before. Uh, remember Scott Britton had a podcast for a little while? Mm-hmm. So on one of his episodes, I think he had Ramit on. Okay. I want to say it was Ramit. And I remember this question came up was around the bedtime thing. Yeah. So he sleeps and wakes, or at least at that time, I don't know about now, but on that podcast episode, he was saying he sleeps and wakes up at the same time every day, regardless of weekend or weekday. Mm-hmm. And the time he's picked is like very like, manageable time i would say for weekend or so it's he goes to bed i think he was saying at 1 30 a.m every single day and wakes up at 8 30 a.m okay every single day so it's like kind of you can manage that on a weekday mm-hmm. it's like 8 30 a.m is like still somewhat early ish like it's not you're sleeping into like 11 but it's late enough so that on the weekend if you go, or any day you go out and you know you're out till 1 30 then you're still getting seven hours of sleep okay. every day yeah. so he was saying for him it was like the seven hour regularity and the same time was super important because otherwise the point he made, which is a good point, I've just never like followed through on it, is otherwise it's kind of like you're traveling every weekend into a different time zone. Yeah. Which is really hard to deal with. 
Yeah, it's pretty stressful. So, so of course, it's going to get screwed up, right? right? Like when you, if you all of a sudden shift your whole schedule three hours every five days. Yeah. <laughs> or five days and then two days. Five days and five two days. days. Yeah. yeah, it just is not going to work out well. But we all do that, I think. Yeah, um, well, and it's, I, I feel so conflicted about it because on the one hand, I want to have a social life. Right, you want to enjoy the weekend. <laughs> I don't you want to enjoy like, the weekend. Not be able to go out. You don't want to be like the every two, every four hours. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, you don't, want to like forego all social commitment just so that you can go to bed at 10 p.m. every day but at the same time like the times in my life where i've felt the best are the times when i've been waking up at like 5 36 every day i wonder how athletes do it also like as i'm guessing sleep is like literally a part of their job yeah so i'm wondering how like regimented they are about that i wonder if part of it is just to like beat yourself up a little bit on sunday so that you go to bed mm. early again or earlier than usual or earlier than usual right so make yourself get up at like eight on sunday mm. and then be just like kind of tired and have a good like workout or something <laughs> yeah and have a good too. workout and then go to bed at 10 or something i find that does it. help too if you ever go to a time zone where i think this was probably more true when i was on the west coast so anytime when i was living on the west coast so <laughs> if you were on pacific time and then you go to the east coast yeah you know it's or actually no this also applies if you go to europe from here so like um, getting a good workout in mm. to make yourself tired so you'll fall asleep on that time zone. Smart. Because otherwise it's kind of can be hard to fall asleep. And I also find that you get the reverse effect, which is that working out wakes you up. Yeah. So that it's easier too. to stay up the rest yeah. of the time on that time zone. Yep. It's kind of like the going around and walking, right? Yeah. So like you get to a new city, like just go walk. Yeah. Just just walk until it's like dinner time. You're not going to fall asleep in a new surrounding. Right? You're not going to yeah. fall asleep if you're out <laughs> and walking. It's cool. Doing it's things. fun. Yeah. Very fun. You get to explore and like see a new place and... Probably like one of the things you probably should do at every new city you go to. Or combine it, like get yeah. to a new city, throw on your running shoes and like go for a run, yeah. right? You get the exercise yeah. and you're out doing stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Buy those running shoes at Amazon. Amazon, made you do think. the major think like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, sponsored by Nike. Just, <laughs> just do it. Someday. <laughs> do it. Get our own shoes. <laughs> Buy our stuff. <laughs> the major think shoes. I wonder what those would look like. Is that the emoji on it, right? It's like the emoji, the- Yeah. <laughs> bright pink yeah. <laughs> should be kind of cool kind of cool yeah huh. <laughs> laptop stickers that we could definitely do. that we could definitely do yeah. sticker mule that could be the giveaway giveaway, First giveaway. exactly <laughs> giveaways are coming folks sign up for the email list and the next email is coming very soon very soon also very soon and if you're not on the list yet you've missed a ton of emails no Tons. i'm just kidding you missed two <laughs> but we're giving away free bitcoins so <laughs> You always do. This. <laughs> no, I don't really save money now. That it's must Bitcoin. be all the signups. That's why we're getting all this. That's why we're getting all the signups. People think there's yeah. free money because you keep saying there's free <laughs> money. <laughs> it's coming. Um, so this is not a ritual, but something I really liked uh, as a cool idea. Jonathan Edwards. We oh, go on yeah. horseback rides, and whenever he had a cool idea, he would pin a piece of paper on a different part of his clothing, That's because cool. that would remind him of the idea when he got back home later. It's a cool sort of mnemonic device to yeah. get around the easy way of forgetting things. Right. Like I was, you know, like I write them down in a notebook, but I can find it's helpful too to pin the idea to a location. Yeah. So if you say like, oh well, when I walk back into the house, I'm going to remember this, and then walk back into the house usually triggers yeah. the memory to come back. So you explicitly say that. Exactly, then, yeah. yeah. When I walk back in or when I like sit down on my computer, I'm going to, right? And I find that's particularly helpful. Interesting. You can do that if you need to make yourself wake up early as well. If you kind of like repeat to yourself like a crazy person, like when my alarm goes off, I'm going to do X, right? It's like uh, an affirmation almost. Yeah, it's like an affirmation, right? <laughs> when my alarm goes off, I'm going to put water on the kettle, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Like doing, you know, creating a little... That is kind of what a morning like routine is. This is like a way to like jumstart. Jumpstart, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Because I, I don't know about you, but I find the hardest thing with waking up early is just that that's a different person. Right. First thing in the morning. Yeah. Like, I don't know who that guy is, but he's really <laughs> bad at staying awake. And so. And at not hitting snooze. Yeah. Not hitting snooze is like me, like awake Nat is great at like <laughs> having willpower and doing things, being productive. But like that fucker just like wants to go back to sleep. And so how do you deal with him until, you know, 10 minutes later right. when you're like fully How awake? do you trick him into like. Exactly. Into behaving. Going away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i think that is useful for a lot of things actually it brings up a good point is like you almost have these like routines that you can do when there's an undesirable behavior that you see yourself doing happen right so it's like i've heard addicts or recovering addicts can do this where it's like if somebody let's say is an alcoholic and trying to recover if they feel the urge to have a drink they have like some replacement behavior yeah that they've now done that's super that helpful doing. yeah I use that on myself, actually, when I want to have wine yeah. or beer at night. Yeah. I make like tea instead. Right. Yeah. Or you get the liquid. A reishi mushroom yeah. elixir from <laughs> Four Sigmatic. <laughs> there you go. Forsigmatic.com slash thick. Drink a bone Yeah. Or drink yeah. a bone broth, heat it up, toss it in the microwave. Yep. Delicious. Kettleonfire.com. Kettleonfire.com slash thing. Both good options. Could even make some uh, perfect keto collagen. Could do both. Could do both. Put some collagen in the bone broth. Yeah. Get a little milky texture going. Wash it down with some reishi hot chocolate. Yeah. Why not? Just all three at once. So made you think special. <laughs> made you think special. Majorthink.com slash support. Get your stuff. Get your stuff. But yeah, no, but like I know, I know exactly what you mean. It's the replacement. Uh, yeah, also actually recently have been, you probably wouldn't do this since you're keto, but uh, tart cherry I'm keto juice. light. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. But you're, you said you have a pretty good resistance, right? Yeah. So like you can- I can get back in. You can get back in and out pretty, and it's not that hard for you or as painful as for some other people, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once you're like keto adapted and as long as you're not going out of it too much, yeah. it's pretty easy to just stay in it. You don't get actually, the flu effects. Actually, that many carbs now that I think about it. So I, I like the taste of tart cherry juice mm -hmm. and there's some melatonin in it and stuff. It's like a nice mm. night drink. Okay. I found it really good as like a wine or beer replacement with mixing it. So I take like a, like a, like a glass, right? And I'll put like a quarter cup of tart cherry juice mm -hmm. and then the rest of it, I'll put like lime seltzer water over it so you get the bubbly like beer-esque mouthfeel yeah. you know it's not beer obviously but like and you also get some of like the fruity like wine huh. type of feel and it's a big glass right it's like a tall glass of it's almost like a cocktail at the, yeah at some levels but i find it's like if i really want if i'm really craving one of those things but i'm like hey, you know i probably shouldn't there's no reason for me to be drinking right now right, right like i can replace it with that and it's a really um like i get it's a good satisfaction huh. satisfactory drink tart cherry juice so is that less sweet than normal cherry juice yeah definitely. okay it's more like sweet sour got it and i think there's slightly less sugar in it but don't quote me on that yeah but i think it's like yeah i think it's like not fully ripe cherries that they use for that you probably use even like grenadine with lime seltzer yeah you probably could it might be a stronger flavor with less sugar yeah I'm sure that's a good way to do it but yeah but it's genuinely just like an interesting like replacement yeah replacements are really helpful and sometimes it's like not so much in the winter. Winter, I like like a hot drink at night. So like replacing it with tea or reishi mushroom, hot, reishi cocoa. mushroom hot cocoa is not not a bad idea. But sometimes in the summer, you just want something cold. Yeah. You know, well, like a chill drink. Nice. So Ref something refreshing. Something refreshing. Yeah. That's actually something I find kind of weird is how despite living in a climate controlled environment, you still ah, feel yeah. Kind of like it's cold outside or like it's hot outside. That's a really good point. Right? Yeah. It's like we're in a room that would be the same temperature <laughs> whether it's summer or winter. That's such a good point. But it still feels like it's cold outside, right? I don't know how 
maybe it's just because we go outside and so we have like some conditioning or we've got some, you know, annual clock internal system that can detect it. But humans are weird. Humans That's are weird. Like yeah. And despite being in a 72 degree environment all the time, we still want hot things in the winter and cold things in the summer. Yeah. And even if let's say you didn't even leave the house all day. Yeah. You still can want still to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just quick note on Sylvia Platt, who's written about here. Have you read any of her stuff? I have like not. the bell jar. No, she's a character. Like she's a great writer, but that book I think is like somewhat semi autobiographical. Okay, as well, and just I won't spoil it for people, but it's a very <laughs> interesting book. So I wasn't surprised that she used sedatives to get to sleep. Actually, yeah, <laughs> not at all. I'm getting um, up at five a.m. Yeah, because she talks about insomnia. Like, in oh, okay, yeah. So, oh, there's one thing here from Woody Allen that I really liked, and we talked about this a little bit already, which is that whenever he feels like he's stuck creating some sort of change, mm-hmm. gives him a b- new burst of mental energy. Yeah. So you like walk into another room or go out in the street or take a shower. And then he says he sometimes takes extra showers, just like stays in the shower because <laughs> he keeps coming up with ideas. There was uh, there's one we skipped here. How do you say this? Sartre? Oh, Sartre. That's how you like say it? Sartre. I, I've Sartre. lost the French accent. Okay. Yeah. Sartre. Whatever. You'll know who yeah. I'm talking about. The, this quote here that was... His diet over a twenty-four hour uh, a period oh of twenty-four gosh, hours yeah. included two packs of cigarettes and several pipes stuffed with black tobacco, more than a quart of alcohol, wine, beer, vodka, whiskey, and so on, two hundred milligrams of amphetamines, fifteen grams of aspirin, several grams of barbiturates, plus coffee, tea, rich meals. Insane! What the fuck, <laughs> dude? Two hundred milligrams of amphetamine is a lot. It's a lot. Like, I think a lot of people who are on Adderall and Ritalin are taking, like, if they're at the high end, they take 20 milligram doses. Oh I think that's chewing. how much. Well, it said he was chewing pill after pill. Yeah, it is wild. <laughs> you probably also got, like, very um, used to it, like, built up a huge tolerance, right? Sure, built up a big tolerance. But I guess you need that much to counteract the quart of alcohol. Like, a quart of beer is not that much. No. Like, you can drink that in one sip. A quart of beer is probably... It's just a like stein. Two, it's a liter. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like nothing. So, it's like two regular-sized beers, basically. Two to three. Three, 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 yeah. three American three beers, yeah. two European two beers. beers yeah. yeah. But a quart of wine, you're starting to get to interesting territory. That's like a <laughs> bottle and a third. Yeah. Interesting uh, territory. <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> a quart of liquor, and you're drinking... Yeah. Actually, Peterson's talked about this, too. Is like some people's capacity for alcohol is like so far beyond... Like, I almost think of Power Law when I heard that. Yeah. Have you, you heard that episode where you talked about that? Or I think you mentioned it on a couple different podcasts. Some people can just, like, drink. Yeah, because well, he's dealt with, like, you know, different types of people. So he was saying uh, he's had, like, alcoholic clients who... Oh, like, you drink a bottle a day. Yeah, like, and, like, a vodka. Yeah. Not, like, a wine. Yeah. Like, a bottle of vodka is, like, 21 shots, I think. 16. 16, okay. Yeah, but he was saying there's people who go through multiple bottles. I know. In a day. Crazy. Like, I don't think I physically could do that. That would be pretty tough. Well, and... Maybe you acclimate. I can. I can believe one bottle a day. Every day. Every day, yes, because you can process about a shot of alcohol an hour. And there's 24 hours. It's 24 hours. So So if you have 16 hours, like if you wake up and start drinking, I can see getting through a bottle by the end of the day. Yeah. And your body being able. If you're regimented and disciplined. Yeah. (laughs) Every hour on the hour, (laughs) shot of alcohol, pop a Ben's dream. Yeah. (laughs) Smoke your pipe. Yeah. That's how you be an artist, folks. You heard it here. Please don't do that. <laughs> no. Yeah, I guess you could physically do it. Yeah. But also be... doing it every day oh would, my gosh. would wear you out. I can't imagine. It's like when we go back to Carnival, 
Yeah. CMU. It's like you're day drinking all day. And after three or four days of it, I'm just like, I never want to drink again. You last three, four days? I'm like, and usually after the first like day and a half, I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? Like, I don't think I could do this. Well, anymore. I think like, I think my body holds out the hangover because it knows okay. that it just has to yep. make it till Sunday and then everything will be okay. This always happens to me when I go to Vegas. It's like, if you go for a weekend, it's perfect. Oh, yeah, like the first day. The is first amazing. day is amazing. It's like the best, it's the most fun you've ever had. And then the second day, it's almost like you go out because you're already there. Like you feel obligated. Yeah, you feel obligated. Yeah. It's like, well, I should. I already paid for the room, the flight. Yeah. I might as well do it. But it's not like you really want to. The first day, everybody wants to. Everyone's excited. The second day, you almost like it's like once you go out, you have fun. But yeah. like you have to force. You have to like there's a activation energy that's needed to get right. yourself out the door. <laughs> Uh, oh, this other one, David Lynch. I don't. Do you know who David Lynch is? I'm not. I didn't know who he was. No. I also wish that with each little section they gave like a one or two a sentence context. biography. Yeah, yeah. that would have been nice. Would be cool. But yeah, his he was talking about <laughs> his routine. So I'll just read this because it's absurd. For seven years, I ate at Bob's Big Boy. I would go at two thirty after the lunch rush. I ate a chocolate shake and four or five, six, seven cups of coffee with lots of sugar. And there's lots of sugar in that chocolate shake. It's a thick shake. In a silver goblet, I would get a rush from all this sugar and I would get so many ideas. I would write them on these napkins. It was like I had a desk with paper. <laughs> all I had to do was remember to bring my pen, but a waitress would give me one if I remembered to return it at the end of my stay. I got a lot of ideas at Bob's. <laughs> I don't think I've ever read a paragraph that was more indicative of sugar being like a mild form of cocaine. Oh, as yeah. I have from that because that is like I mean you could have written that same sentence about like someone who'd be like oh I get to the restaurant and then sniff a line coke and, yeah. and then start getting all these ideas you know like it just seems so many ideas yeah ah. but it just like shows you like sugar is like another version of that yeah it's that kind of mild stimulant yeah right gives you that rush I wonder what his crashes were like oh sure must well that's or- what you drink all the coffee for <laughs> So he's drinking seven cups of coffee yeah, to yeah. avoid the... Also, seven cups of coffee. That's a lot of coffee. <laughs> That's like almost a thousand milligrams of caffeine, right? Like, that is a lot of caffeine. Man, the kidneys, man. These oh, people are damn. developing. <laughs> get stressors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, where was I reading this recently? Oh, this was in uh, Merchants of Doubt, that mm. the hormetic stress idea only applies to natural stressors. Mm. It doesn't apply to unnatural stressors <laughs> like... You know, makes sense. Coffee or tobacco yeah. or in some ways refined sugar and all of that, right? Like it's not really a beneficial stressor because yeah, it's not you like wouldn't have encountered it in nature then. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like running or although in a weird way though, alcohol, you definitely build a tolerance to alcohol. But that is not a hormetic stress. No. That's but a how tolerance. does that happen? Is it like like I guess why would your body have evolved the function to tolerate this stuff like get better at it that's a good question because you know what i mean like have you yeah. ever done like the month without like a month without drinking at all and then mm-hmm. try to go drink your tolerance sucks really low yeah. Tolerance, yeah and same thing with coffee like if you don't drink coffee for a month and then go back to it like one cup will have you just like bouncing off the walls yeah um it must just be a general function of your body that you adapt to things yeah just like anything it starts to consume regularly it just is like okay let's figure out how to make like process this more efficiently or something yeah must just learn because i mean that's that's how you get diabetes is that your body stops managing its insulin as well because it's getting such a hit of it all the time Uh, right it's getting like overstressed right your pancreas is getting weakened i think that's how it works interesting so one thing that i learned recently that's pretty interesting is that pretty much all effects that we experience like drugs don't make your brain do something it can't do yeah right Oh, that also came up in one of the Peterson lectures about um, psychoactive drugs. Yeah. 
Well, they're mimicking, I guess, neurotransmitters. Exactly. Right? That was how we figured out about morphine, mm -hmm. right? It was like morphine is latching on to endorphins, right? Endomorphine is like, right. the, like where that name comes from. Interesting. And so we couldn't have a drug morphine if we didn't already have the pathways in our body to like release that much, you know, that like drug to right. calm us down. It's the same for like most of this other stuff. So I wonder if the adaptation, at least from the behavioral standpoint, is your body just down-regulating the amount of that like neuro whatever yeah, that's, that's released in response to the stimulus that's a good point right because so in the beginning it would get over -triggered. so it's almost linking those less yeah yeah but then as it gets used to getting hit with it it would probably you know do less and less of a reaction to it hmm. maybe yeah. i don't know it's hard I'm to curious. say we'll yeah i'm curious too we should yeah. look it up or if someone else knows someone who's listening knows you yeah can shoot us an email or let us know a very long tweet yeah <laughs> or some links I like this Paul Erdos quote that a mathematician is a machine for turning coffee into theorems. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I've seen that quote, a similar quote on Twitter, right? Of like turning coffee into words. I've seen like some oh, journalists yeah, yeah. say that. <laughs> and then the Ayn Rand one. She spent years planning and composing the first third of the Fountainhead. And then she started taking Benzedrine and busted out the yeah. rest of it in like a couple months. <laughs> Which is absurd given how many words that thing is. It's a big book. She was probably writing like, if it only took a couple months, probably like 15,000 words or like 10,000 words. In a day. No, maybe not that much. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how much editing she did. Isn't it like 312,000 words? Didn't we look that up once? Or was that Atlas That's Drug? That's Atlas. Okay. Found that's shorter. Found that's shorter. Found that's probably like 220 or 250. <laughs> yeah, it's still so like short. Long, of course. Yeah. <laughs> shorter, quote unquote. But yeah, but she must have been busted out like a ridiculous number of words. Like probably like yeah. 5,000 a day. At least. I, I can imagine that. But uh, it sounds like she just got totally hooked on the Benzedrine and pushed it or kept taking it all the way through Fountainhead and all the way through writing Atlas and just taking it regularly for three decades. <laughs> Um, one other theme that was interesting as well in, in this that we forgot to mention was like the morning working or afternoon working versus nighttime working. Yeah. Right. It was like, I mean, there didn't seem to be like a common thread, like, oh, everyone's a morning worker. Everyone's a night worker. But really? I, th I thought it was strongly. There morning. were more mornings. Yeah. There were definitely more mornings. But I'm also wondering about it, it could be like the type of work as well that they were doing. But there were a surprising number because like, I don't know about you. I always get the impression that it's like most of the common sense advice is like being, you know, wake up early. Like, you know, you always hear about that kind of stuff. Right. But I'm wondering how much of it's like just nature. Like you might genetically be predisposed to working better in the morning versus evening. Like my brother and I are opposites that way. Like I work way better by waking up. Like if I have to get like some deep work done that I just need to like bang out for like five hours, waking up at like five in the morning is probably the best way for me to do it. Like I just work way better at that time than trying to work at like 10 PM to 3 AM. Right. Like I'm not good at doing that. Yeah. I can do it. But my quality is not as good. And yeah, I just don't prefer that. Same. So yeah, I like vastly prefer to work in the morning. And I definitely think that there is supposedly there is a genetic component to if you're like a morning person or a night owl. Yeah. But also I just think humans, right? We shouldn't want to work at night. Right. It, it doesn't sense. make sense. Yeah. yeah. I think there's probably like it might. I mean, this is going to sound bad for my brother, but it's probably like some type of mutation to have that night predisposition. I feel like way more people. The, the answer that makes more sense is that people are morning people. Yeah. Right? Like, like you would work better in the morning because I'd be like, oh, you were up at first dawn, basically. And that seems like a good time to work because there's light out and it's not that hot. Right. Depending on where, you know, I guess you were. You got some really. energy. Yeah. It's some energy. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I don't mean this. And you're there before other people. If there's yeah. like a limited amount of resources, right? Like, let's say for foraging for or something. Dips. Right. Yeah. So waking up as early as possible without being exposed to predators would 
theoretically be seemingly the best solution yeah. evolutionarily, but it could be wrong, obviously. I also think that a good number of people who say they're night owls have just never like been disciplined yeah, enough to get up regularly early. That is also a good point. I used to think I was a night owl, oh. and then I made myself try getting up early, and it was just like so much better. Yeah. But it, it took at least a month of making myself do it and getting regular with it and getting used to it before I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is so much better. Yeah. Right? And so I do think there is a strong amount of like self-supporting, like cognitive dissonance where it's like, oh, well, I don't want to have the discipline to wake up early, so I'm going to say I'm a night owl. Right. Right. Or it's like that person you were saying when you that you are when you wake up. Exactly. That part of your personality is like very strong potentially. And yeah. <laughs> it's just like no, I'm not a not a morning person. Not a morning person. Because yeah. no. <laughs> that person is not a morning person. All of us have that person. In us. Yeah. And you have to like fight it for yeah, ten you gotta, minutes. You got to trick that guy. <laughs> well, the best trick I've found. Yeah, you told me right. Yeah, well, it's like you, you say your trick. Yeah. It's like you can go back to bed in like thirty minutes if you're still tired. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and sure knowing not. that then I like have a much easier time getting out of bed. Because that guy is like the, the person you're negotiating with. That net is like, yeah. okay, that's a good deal. That's, that's a good deal. Yeah, 30 minutes. That. Yeah. It's like, haha. I get to go like, to sleep in 30 minutes. But You'll no. see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. 30 minutes, he's just awake. Exactly. So. Should wrap up? Yeah. Let's uh, just give a couple... We gave a couple shout outs, but remind people, so. if you want to go support the show, uh, well, there's a very easy link for you to go do that. It's madeyouthinkpodcast.com slash support, where you can find links to our wonderful sponsors, which are, uh, I guess we'll start with Perfect Keto today. Start I think we started Perfect Keto last few times, but yeah, anyway. We, we do a good job mixing it up. Yeah, we'll go yeah. Perfect Keto. Perfect Keto for all of your ketogenic diet related needs, exogenous ketones, the coffee flavor is really good. They've got a delicious matcha MCT oil powder for getting MCT oil without the MCT oil is good for your uh, focus, right? It's supposed to be good. Yeah. If you, that's why, like, if you mix it in your coffee or your mm-hmm. tea or something, it's really good in coffee. Yeah. yeah. Don't put the matcha flavor in your coffee. Yeah, it's course. gonna be nasty. <laughs> but unflavored MCT oil. We're about to get a tweet. It's like Nat told me to put it in my coffee. It matcha coffee. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's all really good. You could also put that MCT oil and not the matcha flavored, the unflavored, in your mushroom coffee from Four Sigmatic. Yep. Four Sigmatic. Well, talking about coffee i know it's been i mean if only they had mushroom coffee it would have been this would have been insane they would have yeah we should have had some here yeah, yeah. Oh, well we need to buy more yeah <laughs> <laughs> which we can do by going to foursigmatic.com slash think yep get discount get discount they can also use the code think on that one yes i think you can also so, use the code yeah, I've, think. yeah i've seen that so, so you can uh well. they have a whole bunch of other stuff so on that foursigmatic.com slash think they have basically some packages as well for you um, with a discount, of course, but if you see anything else on their site, you can also just use the code THINK when you check out and you get the discount. Everything we've tried there, we've liked. Yeah, so oh yeah it's not a bad product. The cordyceps and the reishi mushroom elixirs are great. The hot chocolates are delicious. Oh, the hot chocolates are so chocolates good. are really good. Yeah, especially with like a little heavy cream. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, some perfect keto collagen or perfect keto MCT oil yep. powder. Delicious. I think we've done that before. Yeah. yeah. Not with the hot chocolate. That. We've done it with the... Mushroom coffee. Yeah. I've done it with the hot chocolate too. It's really good. And then uh, Kettle and Fire. So kettleandfire.com slash think for all of your bone broth related needs. Still need to try the chicken one. Yeah. Try Chicken's delicious. Try the beef one. Beef one's so good. And actually, we, we won't get a commission for this, so I hesitate to recommend it. But if you go to Whole Foods, you can get Kettle and Fire bone broth with a 
mushroom flavor that is delicious. That is there... not a collaboration with Four Sigmatic. No, it's not. That would be it's just, just a cool happens. idea, though. That would be cool, yeah. <laughs> but that's their best tasting one. That one's phenomenal. Oh, really? Highly recommend that. But yeah, you can also go online, kettleonfire.com slash think. They've got a few different ranges of discounts for you up to 30% off. Yep, free shipping. Free shipping, which is always good. Nobody likes paying for shipping anymore. Nope. Thank you, Amazon. Especially bone broth's pretty heavy. So yeah, it is heavy. You don't want to pay so for shipping. You don't want to pay for that shipping. But yeah, so check all of those out. You can always sign up for the newsletter. You should already be subscribed. You should already be subscribed. If not, you know, we'll forgive you this once. Yeah, exactly. It's your uh, last chance. <laughs> newsletter goes away. You should have a countdown. You should have like a countdown timer. Yeah, a countdown timer just resets every day. Actually, <laughs> I think uh, Kettle of Fire does that really well. Yeah, they've got they some like, discount countdown yeah, timer. But the discount's always there. <laughs> Don't say that. People, people can figure people it out. We got, we, got, we got smart listeners. Our so. discount's better. Don't use that discount. Use ours. Use good think. I think these packages are better, though. They are better. Because yeah, I looked yeah, at that. Because you get like yeah. 30% off. Yeah, I think that discount's like 15, but ours is like up to 30, depending on what exactly you buy. So, yeah, yeah I think this is a bigger... And I don't think that one gives you free shipping. Right. So this you definitely don't want to pay for the shipping. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check all of that out. You can go to magethinkpodcast.com slash support, click through to Amazon. Yep. Anything you buy on Amazon will get like a five to seven percent cut of. You don't buy pay book. anything extra. Yeah. So buy daily rituals, buy 12 rules for life, buy all buy the books. All the books, all what, like 27 or 28 <laughs> now. Uh buy some luxury goods. Luxury goods. Uh, buy those shoes so you can go running when you arrive in a new city. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Yeah. Should go. They do sell shoes. I mean, they own. I mean, they yeah, they've got some shoes. Yeah. They acquired Shoe Fitter, so they've right. got the shoe fitting technology now. Yep. Like, check it out. Yeah, definitely buy your shoes on Amazon yeah. through our link. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. That helps more people find the show. Helps us get in the recommended episodes lists. Helps potential guests feel assured that you all exist and are listening. <laughs> It's not just Nat and Neil drinking mushroom coffee, talking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'd be pretty fun still. That'd be fun. I'd still yeah. do it, right? Like, this is an infinite game. It is. This is not a finite game. This is our, it's like our productive excuse for hanging out every week yeah. and talking about also books. I find it's like almost a like self-education course because we, I don't know about you. I feel like I learned so much from these books. Yeah. And there's a lot of ones that I wouldn't have read otherwise. Yeah. Right. Like, I wouldn't have been able to push through maybe. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like would've it would have taken me six months to finish GEV. Exactly. If we didn't have to record an episode. The deadline. <laughs> Same with like Darwin Sanger. Yep. idea exactly uh, the one we're reading now yeah which will keep a secret yeah totally probably be know. two or three weeks so yeah well we keep pushing it back after exactly we add new, you new can find ones. out what it is if you go sign up for the email list Actually, i think we will send out an email this weekend because now we have a few it's been a little while since the last one now so we'll have kind of the next That's five dates for you yeah yeah actually well i guess by the time they hear this it, it will already gone ago. <laughs> but you'll be getting the next one soon yeah so. <laughs> just sign up it's, just sign up it's the safest not. move yeah yeah <laughs> You also get all the bonus material. Yes. If you want to sign up for the email list. Oh, yeah. So. Well, and we, we always talk about some, well, this one in particular, we were having a pretty good discussion. Yeah, before. we had a great discussion before the episode. Yeah, we were talking about some cool new business models for consulting and some like psych and gender stuff. Oh, some uh, the study that came out around certain like, oh, yeah. food and alcohol, like what uh, makes you live uh, longer. Yeah, around like night things correlated with living to ninety plus. Yeah, how to make a lot of money investing in cryptocurrency. <laughs> that was the most important part of the conversation. <laughs> well, we also gave out the free money during that portion. That's true. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If you didn't listen to those material, you missed out. <laughs> Actually, speaking of crypto, did you see? Um, I love. Did I send it to you? The Gogomesh token? No. It's a new crypto that launched a couple weeks ago. Are we sponsored by them? Um, not yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
It's a pretty cool project, actually. They're building a social network focused on knowledge sharing. So like sharing book notes and article summaries and like white papers and all of this stuff. And then rewarding other people in the community through this like tokenized structure. Right. I like that idea. It's I love the idea. Uh, So I bought into their they're doing their ICO right now. Oh, cool. Actually, I think I'll do that. Yeah, It might be over by the time this podcast comes out or it'll be just wrapping up. Yeah, I can still take it. Yeah, you can still you can still in on it. but yeah, it's like GilgameshToken.com. This is awesome. That's so not, I like it, the I like the sound of that a lot. This is like the I, I don't obviously. I've know, never done an ICO like before. Money. I've never done an ICO before. But yeah, I've but been, this is I've like, been looking for one that actually like I could think make could make some sense. That was my thing. Is I was looking for one where I actually liked the application mm. and where the application made sense. Yeah, and I I love this idea for using like a cryptocurrency for something. Right, and it looks like it's a good team and stuff too, which is good. Yeah, so, so it's not like they're gonna run off with the money. Hopefully not. Too. Yeah, that, that could always. Happen. Oh, it could happen. This so is not put, investment advice. So don't put money that you could lose yeah, but skin uh, in the game i put money in it yes so. <laughs> <laughs> all right and um, that's true for our products too we that's true. we, all, we use game. all of our own products yeah although we need to reorder the mushroom coffee we but do. yeah <laughs> I've, been, I've been still having the i have the other elixir. stuff yeah, yeah exactly. i have the cordyceps have that yesterday i take perfect keto every day take i think you just had pretty some, regularly right? just had some yeah exogenous ketones i did before yeah. we got started all right on that note we will see you all next time yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tweet at us. I'm at the real Neil S. I'm at Natty Liason. And we'll see you next week. Yep. When we have a really fun episode. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> All right. All Cheers, right. everyone. See ya. Bye.